that the Baltimore Ravens cost themselves a Super Bowl by keeping Greg Roman for too long. We talk about that and a lot more coming up next here on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I am your host here with you, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, and we're here as always on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here with us as always and making us your first listen every day. We're free and available, all podcasting platforms, including over in video form on YouTube. And we are back here, of course, talking Ravens five days a week, Monday through Friday on Locked on Ravens, always throughout the entirety of the year, not just the season, regular season as well. So if you have a friend or a family member who is a Ravens fan, or if yourself is coming in here to listen to Ravens football talk, be sure to subscribe anywhere you get your shows as we dive into plenty over the course of each and every weekday here. But we have a lot to talk about here. And this is this is going to be a kind of it's a crazy show headline. I, I get that crazy show title. But we're going to be taking a little bit of a look back in the past. And I know, look, everybody wants to look ahead to what this Ravens team is in 2023. It's, it's unusual I do this type of thing. But I wanted, I came to my mind this idea last night as I was actually recording yesterday's show. And I'm like, you know what? I want to do a show on this. So I figured why not as we're kind of looking for things to talk about. And talk about if the Ravens ended up costing themselves a shot at a Super Bowl because they kept Greg Roman for too long. We'll talk about that in the first segment. And then in the second part of the show, we'll continue to kind of dive into that and look at the positive and negative ripple effects of Greg Roman. I know I know, when I say positive ripple effects, people are going to be like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? But we'll talk about that in the second part of the show. Then finally, we'll flip away from Greg Roman, move over to Lamar Jackson. I, well, it'll kind of be similar, kind of related, where we'll talk about Lamar's weapons then versus Lamar's weapons now and get into a narrative that I saw about Josh Allen's weapons and how they're not good. So we'll talk about that in the final part of the show. So let's dive into it. I know everybody's going to be very kind and very civilized, right? When we talk about Greg Roman here, a lot of Greg Roman love in Baltimore. No, I I know the deal. Greg Roman is somebody who, look, we got to give him credit where it's due. That 2019 offense was historic on so many different levels. Lamar Jackson, Greg Roman, that entire team, the regular season team, we're not going to talk about the playoffs, but the regular season team was historic. The problem is that the Ravens, I think, hindered themselves, and Greg Roman, I think, hindered the offense by just not growing enough. The Ravens offense did not grow enough under Greg Roman, which is why personally I'm so excited for Todd Monk, and I know a lot of people are as well to see what he can do with this offense, to see how he can help Lamar Jackson grow, help the running backs grow, the receivers, et cetera, et cetera, just the entire playbook opening up in general. With Greg Roman, look, myself included, there were a lot of people who said the Ravens should not have kept him after the 2021 season. There were some even saying after 2020. I I was willing to give him one more year after 2020, but after 2021, there were a lot of people that said, look, it just can't go on. And my argument for, you know, what my opinion was at the time was you aren't seeing enough year to year growth. And the one thing, the one thing I said that year 
there was it was for both coordinators. I said you should either keep both or get rid of both because of the injuries. If you keep both, it's because you want to see what they can do with a fully healthy squad. Hopefully, if you lose both or you get rid of both, it's because you just want a fresh start. Well, the Ravens end up getting rid of Don Martindale, but keeping Greg Roman. And look, Mike McDonald was a great hire. I think they needed that change, and the defense just needed a new identity. The problem is the offense also needed a new identity, but the Ravens decided to revamp their defense and also keep their offense. And look, I know it's hard to go out there in an offseason and revamp pretty much your entire team. You know, a new defense, a new offense, and figuring things out like that. But if change needs to happen, change needs to happen. And over the course of last, you know, you can go back as far as you want to. The Ravens like their guys. They're they're a very loyal organization. It's one of the things that makes them, in my opinion, one of the best organizations in the league. Loyalty is very hard to come by. And the Ravens do right by their guys, by their coaches, by their players, by, by the organization. Not not in every aspect. You know, I think that this it's still a business and, and moves do happen that you wish wouldn't in terms of being loyal to a player or loyal to a coach. But I think the Ravens are one of the more loyal organizations. And because of that, I think maybe they kept Greg Roman one year too long. Some people argue too, and I can see those arguments. But to me... The, the whole argument of did the Ravens cost themselves a Super Bowl, it's a, it's a very loaded question. And I, I went into the show knowing titling the show that is going to be a very loaded thing because there, there are two schools of thought. There's the train of thought that some people have where, look, if you replace a thing that's gone wrong on a sports team, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, whatever, if you replace that one thing and then everything else goes the way it did, then either you're much better, you're much worse, et cetera, et cetera. Then there's the other school of thought which is if you replace that one thing, then there are the ripple effects. And that's something we'll talk about in the second part of the show. But that's more of a, a future ripple effect thing. The thing that I'm talking about is ripple effects. Like, well, if Greg Roman is gone, the offense looks different. Does Lamar get injured? That's the side that I'm on, where not everything would be the exact same if Greg Roman were not a part of the team during that 2022 year last year. Things would have been different. The offense would have been different. You can't say that his departure would have, you know, Lamar wouldn't have gotten injured because of Roman not being there. You, you can't say that kind of stuff. But I, th- I think things would have been different. And the fact that I think there would have been more growth overall, I think the offense wouldn't have been as predictable. And we're going to talk about it in the second part of the show, but the way that the team is constructed and has been built in the way the Ravens have been allowed to build their team, not just because they want to do it, but because players, I think, are more attracted to the opportunity. That's another thing. So, I mean, look, under Greg Roman, the Ravens' playoff success was not necessarily pretty. I mean, they won one playoff game, and that was against Tennessee. They lose a divisional round during that 14-2 and season in 2019. They beat the Titans in 2020, obviously, but then lose to Buffalo 2021, they don't make the playoffs at all because of the injuries, right? And I'm willing to say that. 2022, they lose to Cincinnati in the wild card round, you know. But again, I'm not putting full blame on Greg Roman, but there is plenty of blame to go around when it comes to Greg Roman. And we've talked we've talked about this all before, so I'm not going to go too, too much in, in depth about it. But the, the play clock issues, the lack of game awareness, lack of in-game adjustments, and just the way that the offense – I mean, I remember back – I can't remember when it was. If anybody knows, you, you feel free to put it in the comments or, or you can at me on Twitter. When Lamar Jackson, I think he was talking to Rich Eisen or was on NFL Network or something, and he said, yeah, the, the defense knows our plays. Like, they're calling out what we're calling. Like, the offense is predictable, and they're calling things out. I know that's not word for word what he said. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But Lamar pretty much said, yeah, the defense knows our calls. They're calling things out, and they know the plays, and they're getting to our spots before we do. And that, to me, was a 
oh my, it was a terrible, horrible sign. And in that moment, we kind of saw some fractures of that relationship. Like, I just don't think the vibes were even there enough to have them back in 2022. It didn't seem like Lamar and Greg Roman were on the same page. I think John Harbaugh and Greg Roman were to an extent, but we saw that fracture over the course of the year, in my opinion, especially when the play clock issues started to happen. The red zone offense last year was abysmal, 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 and nothing changed there. And look, the Ravens made the decision to get rid of him this offseason. If they didn't, Oh, I don't know. I don't know what we'd be talking about, but there would have been, I think, a lot more angst when it came to just what this offense could have been. Todd Munkin brings a fresh skill set in terms of a fresh slate of ideas. This was the right decision, but it's it's you know it's what if Wednesday <laughs> locked on Ravens. The whole thing of what if the Ravens actually did let go of Greg Roman? I think they would have given themselves a much better shot to win a Super Bowl over the course of those two seasons. And again, injuries in 2021. I don't think anybody's getting over that, whether you're Greg Roman, Todd Munkin, or whoever it is. You can bring back 2014 Gary Kubiak. I don't know if that that's what was going to happen. But I think Baltimore did decrease their chances of winning. I will say that. You know, saying they lost the Super Bowl because of it, I think that's a tad bit of a stretch because of the injuries they went through. And I don't think firing Greg Roman or getting rid of him before 2022 would have changed every single injury. But at the same time, I do think they decrease their chance of winning. And that to me, I mean, look, as a football organization, as a, as a professional sports franchise, you're supposed to do what you can to win, right? Th that's the point to go out there, win games. And there's more, to, it's not just winning. There's more to it, but look, you, you play to win the game, right? Like you go out there to win and, and bring back championships and bring back trophies and Tanking isn't as prevalent in the NFL as it is in like the NBA or something like that. MLB, I guess, to an extent. But, you know, it's rare that you see a team go out there and just purely tank. You're winning games. You're trying to win games. And Greg Roman, I do not think they gave the Ravens the best shot to win over the course of, you know, 2020. You could give him a pass, right? You could say it was his first year coming off of the MVP season from Lamar coming off that historic year fine you know they'll give him another shot that that's what my thing was but after 2021 I just thought it was best for them to move on either keep both guys or lose both guys they lost one and <laughs> they should have lost both so did the Ravens lose the Super Bowl by keeping Greg Roman again I'd call that a bit of a stretch but I will say they decreased decreased their chances of winning by a decent amount and that to me it's you know can't happen can't happen. So coming up in the second part of the show, we'll talk about the ripple effects of Greg Roman, both positive and negatives, as we look forward to 2023 and beyond. So be sure to stay tuned. A lot to talk about on Locked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200. You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-unders. Who you think is going to be the first home run hitter and all that on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on all the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel official partner of Major League Baseball. We're back here. Second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostreicher still here with you as we continue talking about 
Greg Roman. And I know, look, it's, it's looking back at the past, something that I, I personally, I rarely do. I do it sometimes when we talk about season reviews and stuff, but this late in the off season is kind of rare for me to do, but it was just too intriguing of a topic. And I want to continue on it and talking about the ripple effects of Greg Roman. Now, Greg Roman himself is in the past for the Ravens, but the ripple effects of him, I think have impacted things both in the past and what's coming up here in the future and what's already happened so far this off season. So with Greg Roman in particular, one of the most interesting things to me that I think about when it came to roster construction around Greg Roman and his offense and his philosophies and whatnot was the fact that didn't really feel like receivers wanted to come to Baltimore. And I do not think that was a Lamar Jackson issue. In fact, receivers have said, you know, they, they want to play with Lamar. They love Lamar. It was the system, the system, the system. And that, that was pretty apparent. Lando Brown Jr., former Raven, he talked on ESPN a little bit about what to expect from the Ravens this year in 2023. And some of the things that he said is, look, some of the ripple effects of Greg Roman not being there now is that he expects Baltimore to run primarily a spread offense out of 11 personnel. So that's one running back, one tight end, and three wide receivers. But the thing he said also is that Greg Roman's play calling hindered Lamar Jackson as a passer. And to me, when you're talking about ripple effects, I just, I wish we could have seen Lamar Jackson in a non-Greg Roman offense sooner. I know a lot of people agree with me with that. Maybe some don't, but I know a lot of people do. And I just think being in that Greg Roman offense for so long, we did not get to see Lamar Jackson unleashed as a passer nearly as much as I think he wanted to be. We wanted to see him be. And to me, when, when we talk about winning and going out there and winning football games, Lamar Jackson can beat you with his arm and with his leg. We know how dynamic of an athlete he is, but we also know how good of a thrower he is. Is he perfect? No. We just talked about, you know, the deep ball passing game last episode about how that was not good for Lamar, not good for the Ravens last year. If, if you want more in-depth analysis on that, be sure to check out yesterday's show. But again, you, you want to be able to give Lamar the confidence. And I, I just don't think... Lamar had confidence over the last couple of years in Greg Roman's offense, not in himself. I don't think it had anything to do with himself and not believing in what he can do and his ability, but I don't think he felt like he had the confidence to be himself in Greg Roman's offense. Because again, what I believe, and this is something I've said ever since Lamar has said and Todd Munkin has said and John Harbaugh has said, the keys are in Lamar Jackson's hands and Lamar has the keys of the offense. That should have happened way sooner. Way, 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 way sooner. We see second-year guys, third-year guys, fourth-year guys, fifth-year guys. Everybody, it seems like, or at least most quarterbacks in the NFL have some sort of freedom. And it just didn't seem like Lamar Jackson had a lot of that, where we didn't see him checking at the line. We didn't see him being able to motion a guy or do this or that. We just we just didn't. Up-tempo stuff. Lamar was very good in up-tempo, letting him kind of dictate the flow of the game, him feel the game out for himself. We, we were robbed. I think Lamar was robbed. The, the watcher was robbed. The fans, everybody was robbed of seeing Lamar in that system. And the ripple effect of that is he just doesn't have as much experience. Not saying I'm not saying he's not going to be good at doing it because I think he is. And he's look, he's a smart football player, a smart guy. He knows the game and he knows just a situational awareness. Decision-making was not great for him in 2021. I thought that was much improved in 2022. I, I was very impressed, at least for the most part, with what I saw from there. were a couple of not great decisions. The Patrick card throw against the Giants is one of them. But I, I was pleased with the improvement in decision-making from 2021 to 2022. Now, the thing with Greg Roman and kind of what he had Lamar doing, and look, I talked about, oh, he couldn't go up to the line. Yeah, because the Ravens got to the line with three seconds left every single play. 
and Lamar had to snap the ball and there, there'd either be a delay game or a timeout. So he didn't have time to feel out the defense and figure out, is, is there a blitzer coming off the edge? What's the defensive personnel grouping? Are they heavy in? Are they putting guys deep? Are there deep safeties? He didn't have the ability to do that because every single time they got to the line, it felt like it at least it was three, two, one. And then he had to snap the ball. There was a penalty or a timeout. So that to me is a ripple effect of negative, but I think positive here, a ripple effect of Roman is that it gives the Ravens an opportunity to kind of reinvent their offense and figure out what they want to do with it. And part of that, and this is the most intriguing thing about it. It was kind of the point I made at the very beginning of the segment is the way the roster is constructed now versus how it was under Greg Roman. And the fact that receivers, again, didn't really want to come to Baltimore, really felt like that was a Greg Roman thing. In fact, it really, really did. But now you have Odell signing with the Ravens. And look, money talks. I did not expect Odell to get the deal he got. But he's now in Baltimore. They draft Zay Flowers. They still have Rashad Bateman and Devin DuVernay. And also they bring in Nelson Aguilar too. The way the the room is constructed wide receiver-wise, the way that they still have Mark Andrews, to me, I think this is just going to be a much more free-flowing offense. But it's just, I wish we had seen it sooner. That to me is the biggest ripple effect here where we didn't see it last year. We didn't see it two years ago, depending on when certain people wanted Greg Roman fired or not. But at the same time, now I think the ripple effect of Roman being fired is that now the Ravens have more opportunities than their offense to figure out the personnel groupings that work for them and that work for Lamar. I think Lamar is going to be able to have confidence in himself now moving forward. Again, not that he did it in his ability, but have confidence in himself within the offense of Greg Roman, with the weapons around him, with the offensive line, and of course with a now not only a head coach that backs, and we know that Lamar is John Harbaugh's guy. We, we know John Harbaugh loves Lamar. But in an offensive coordinator that believes in Lamar and, and chose this position and is really – he left a great opportunity at Georgia, right? He's somebody who won – back-to-back national championships and just, you know, he was somebody that was in a great position. He didn't have to leave Georgia, but he wanted a challenge coming over the NFL and the ability to work with a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. So I'm really excited to see the partnership between Lamar Jackson and Todd Munkin. Greg Roman, again, you, you can't fault him for what he did in 2019. That offense was historic, even if you want to give him the benefit of that in 2020. Some people don't, but if you want to give him the benefit of that in 2020 because it was his first year outside of that season, then so be it. But, you know, feels like there will be ripple effects from the Roman decision to keep him on board for probably longer than they should have for a couple years here. And we'll see how it ends up playing out for him. But coming up on the final part of the show, we'll talk about Lamar's weapons now and compared to how they were over the past couple of seasons. So be sure to stay tuned. Plenty to talk about on Lockdown Ravens coming up. We're back here rounding out Lockdown Ravens. Kevin Ostraker still talking with you. Didn't go anywhere here. And hopefully you haven't gone anywhere as well. Thank you so much to everybody for your support here on the show here. Be sure again to subscribe both audio form and video form. It is free if you're an everydayer and you listen every single day here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this is your first time in welcome in to locked on ravens i'm happy you're here and if you're somewhere in the middle thank you as well for tuning in and showing your support here i really appreciate that but speaking of support lamar has a lot more of it this year when it comes to weapons and i kind of listed off the guys that the ravens have wide receiver wise i'll do it again odo beckham rashad bateman say flowers devin duvernay nelson aguilar the sixth wide receiver spot kind of up for grabs but what a what a change from what we saw from them at that position over the course of Lamar's entire career up to this point. His rookie season, you know, working with guys like Michael Crabtree and John Brown and and Willie Sneed 
and those types of guys. 2019 comes around, and that, you know, that was Lamar's rookie year. That was Joe Flacco's offense until it wasn't, and Lamar came in and <laughs> was unbelievable during his rookie season. But 2019 is when you know they started drafting and building around Lamar. They bring in Marquise Brown. They draft Miles Boykin as well. Willie Sneed stays. And to me, you know, that was a team like Marquise Brown was a good NFL receiver. He just didn't work out in Baltimore. Again, more of a system. I think that, you know, talk about talk about ripple effects. I think that if the Ravens get rid of Greg Roman last season, like after last season, Hollywood Brown still remember the Ravens. Who knows if they would have wanted to pay him what he wanted. That's another conversation for a different day. But that, that's my prediction. I don't think the Ravens wanted to trade him. I don't think Marquise Brown necessarily wanted to leave Lamar. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I just he said it. Didn't, like, didn't love the system, didn't love his fit in the system and, and whatnot. But regardless of that, Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, Willie Sneed, those types of guys. The, the receiver room, though, was not what you would want around your second-year guy for the most part, right? But, you know, it worked out for him. I mean, the fact that the Ravens got that much production out of that receiver room there was incredible. Lamar was incredible. Obviously, Mark Andrews took the league by storm as well. Mark Ingram caught five touchdowns. It was, it was a very collective effort across the board. 2020, Marquise Brown is still there. Miles Boykin is still there. Willie Sneed as well. You bring in Seth Roberts, and you know you, you draft Devin Duvernay. You draft James Prochet. So a room of Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, Willie Sneed, Devin Duvernay, James Prochet. This is this is a third year player now, and we're starting to see you know DeAndre Hopkins going to Kyler Murray, Stephon Diggs going to Josh Allen. AJ Brown hadn't happened yet, but you know it's that trend of teams going out there and getting their star quarterback, star receivers, and the Ravens just weren't doing it. 2021, you know, Marquise Brown still with the Ravens at this point. Seth Roberts gone. You bring in Sammy Watkins to be the guy, which uh, (laughs) worked out until it didn't with Sammy Watkins. It just, you know, Sammy Watkins had a very strong start, but it was, it's that same thing of recycling the whole veteran receiver thing. I mean, 2020, they brought in Des Bryant midseason. Like it's, it's recycling the veterans that don't do a ton for you at that point in their careers. They've hit on those guys. They've hit on veterans like Derek Mason and Anquan Bolden, and Steve Smith. The thing is, those guys are so unbelievably rare that you're thinking, oh, I don't, yeah, I don't know what's going on here. And if this really should be the guy we bring in. And we were still seeing quarterbacks get star receivers. The Ravens were not doing it though. 2022, the Ravens decided to say, you know what? We're just going full young guys. <laughs> Marquise Brown is gone. Tashaw Bateman, Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, Tylen Wallace, all those guys, right? Not to mention, obviously, 2021, they drafted Rashad Bateman. Don't, don't want to let that get lost. 2022, they decided to just go completely full young youth movement there. And it backfired. It did. Now, 2023, the guys I listed, Odell comes in as the the star veteran that we've been asking for for so long you know is it deandre hopkins is it aj brown is it debo samuel dk Metcalf? any of those guys no it's not you know there are a lot of questions about odell and his health but it, but it is such a step forward from what we had seen from the ravens and the fact the other fact that they gave odell void years is, is also something that i did not expect it's, it's something the ravens have never done and now they're using these void years everywhere you know rocky Yassin got some and obviously odell got some Giving Odell up to 18 million guaranteed is a risk. And I think obviously I think money did play a part in Odell coming to Baltimore. The, the rumors on Odell earlier in the offseason where he was he was looking for a one-year deal worth up to $20 million. And I said, there's no way. There's no way Odell's getting that. And look, he he proved me wrong. I thought he was gonna maybe go one one for 10, one for eleven. 
one for 15 with up to 18 guaranteed is very impressive there. Well, it's 15 guaranteed. It's up to 18 million. That's still very impressive to me in a market overall that I don't know. You know, we, we see those types of veterans. The receiver market is, is very volatile. Like Christian Kirk last off. He's an, I know that was the deal. Everybody kind of clowned and said, oh, the Jaguars giving Christian Kirk so much money, but worked out really well for him. But then you see other guys sign for cheaper. I know DJ Chark was a very popular target for a lot of people for Baltimore. Obviously, he went to Carolina. Adam Thielen also went to Carolina, some of those other guys too. But then you look at contracts like Corey Davis in New York, and I was a big Corey Davis. I will admit it. I was wrong. I was a big Corey Davis guy during that free agency period. I know Spencer Schultz, who you know, we talked to on this show, also was, and we were both wrong on that one. But, you know, you, you got to be smart with these wide receiver investments. You can't just throw money at anybody. And I think Odell fits the culture. And that's another thing. The Ravens don't just sign guys to sign guys. John Harbaugh, Steve Bishotti, Eric Costa, Ozzie Newsom, all, everybody, Sashi Brown, very, very important to them, the culture aspect of everything. So I think for what the Ravens have now, it is leaps and bounds of the wide receiver position better than what Lamar has had. Not to mention Mark Andrews, not to mention Isaiah Likely, not, not to mention those guys in there as well. The running game, the running game is not going away, but this team is going to throw the ball a lot more. And I know I'm happy about that. Lamar's happy about that. Everybody's happy about that. So I'm excited to figure out how everything's going to play out for this team in 2023. Because again, there, there's so much potential to see Lamar in a non-Greg Roman offense here and just see the growth between him and, and Todd Munkin and the rest of the offense here. I, I think the coaching staff changes were great, especially, you know, it's not T. Martin working with the wide receivers anymore. It's Greg Lewis. T. Martin's now working with Lamar Jackson is the quarterback's coach. Keith Williams is still in town as well. So there are a lot of things to be excited about with this Ravens team. And I know personally, I'm really excited for it. And the fact that Lamar now has weapons around him, you know, the, the fact that Rashad Bateman can play as a number two. Not that he doesn't have number one potential, but he can play as a two behind Odell. And I know there there is conversation about whether Rashad Bateman or Odell is a number one versus number two guy. So don't come at me. Don't don't come at me. I know some people are very adamant that Rashad Bateman is a number one. But we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening in this offense and how Baltimore ends up playing it over the course of the year. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm going to get back here tomorrow. Of course, you know what it is. More Ravens content here. So be sure to subscribe, follow along, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Lockdown Ravens.